you. Hello, good people. <clears throat> My name is 4KJ. This is the For the Stress Podcast. How are you good folks doing? I am joined always by the good brother Frankie Metals, a.k.a. El Capitan, a.k.a. El Cap, Caps Locked, Backward Ninja, The Left, The Savior, Texas Frankie, Segway King, Swamp Thing. How are you, beloved? Move in. Move in. Um, I am very honored this episode to have in the studio um, award-winning uh He's been all over New Jersey media for the past 30 plus years. Um, someone that I will tell you, I'm, I'm very inspired by the work that you do. It helps a lot with the work that I do. So I, we have the pleasure of having David Cruz in the studio with us tonight. How are you, good sir? I'm doing good, thank you. Good to see you guys, good to meet you. It's great, it's great. I'm very, very happy that you're here. Before we get into your very extensive history, uh, church announcements. Follow the show on everything Instagram for the stress underscore podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash 4KJ. You can follow Frankie on IG at Frankie Metals. You can follow the dojo on IG at the dojo JC. Make sure you visit the website for the stress podcast.com powered by Stay Cozy Studios. Make sure you like, rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend, tell a motherfucking friend, and all that good shit like that there. Now, David Cruz, man, this, I, you know, we were talking before we started, and, um, you know, you are born and raised Jersey City. OG. OG, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, you are, you are OG Jersey City history here, um, and then, you know, you know, saying, you know, let's leave it, leave it for the show, so I came across you, shout out to, to, to Zeta from Taproot. Mm. Zeta put put me put you on my radar and she was telling me like hey do you follow David Cruz I'm like nah she's like nah David is great you gotta you gotta you gotta follow him and so I started following you and like I was telling you like I saw you kind of like you know giving the liberals some a little bit of accountability holding them to task but then I also saw you doing the same thing for like Republicans or maybe conservative leaning Democrats and I really admired that because I, I gravitate towards people who are objective in that way, especially with how Jersey politics is, where you can be so shitty, for lack of a better word. Hmm. Um, but I kind of like, like I, like I was telling you, like I've been doing my research 30 years in media. You've done everything from interviewing, podcasting, blogging. Yeah. You've covered state senates, state of the U, anything involving politics in Jersey City. How did how did your what inspired you to like start this road into journalism? Uh, first of all, shout out to Zeta, mm -hmm. who, um, you know, most people when they they follow you or retweet you, um, is generally because they agree with you. Mm -hmm. um, but I think Zeta appreciates that. Um, you know, that I try to, to play it straight right. uh, by poking at everybody because, you know, sometimes we can be a little sanctimonious. That's true. Uh, when we're on Twitter 
and you know we we speak in an echo chamber of mm-hmm. people who generally uh, agree with us so mm-hmm. I, that's the danger of most social media mm-hmm. in my mind is that you curate it to the point where you're only hearing people who agree with you right um and then it, it that doesn't help you at all because it's important to know what uh, other people are thinking and what other people particularly who don't agree with you right uh, because that's the only way that you're able to you know communicate effectively hopefully so that we understand one another right and we're not all just in our own camps but um so she i think appreciates that so and and i appreciate her yeah uh, i appreciate her shout out to her yeah for sure for sure um as far as how i got into this i mean i think it really found me um i am uh i tell people i'm from a small puerto rican family of 12 (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, okay. and uh your math is different from mine yes, but all right. yes um and so when i was much younger maybe 12 years old or something i used to um read the jersey journal uh-huh. out loud at the at the dining room table uh-huh. uh for you know whoever happened to be eating there because in my house you ate in shifts uh-huh. because there were so many of us you could not fit us right. in a room uh, to have dinner together, but so we ate in shifts, and, and I guess I was the news of the hour okay. for for every shift. Um, but so I, I, that was probably my earliest uh, encounter with what I do now, you know, broadcasting mm-hmm. the news. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I probably grew up on on um, loving uh, television news and mm-hmm. radio news. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I used to listen to the BBC when when you could get it uh-huh. uh, on the radio, and I beca- I was a big fan of Ted Koppel and uh, Max Robinson and and oh, uh, OG Roger names. Mudd. OG names. Um, yeah, those are from back in you know seventies, eighties. Right. And um, uh, but I guess my my biggest inspiration, if I had to think of it, um, was a guy named Pablo Guzman. Mm-hmm who uh, used to, he was one of the original members of the Young Lords, which was, um, to oversimplify it, they were a Puerto Rican version uh, and an affiliate, really, of the Black Panthers. Right. And they were about social change and, and you know, providing services to the community. But he was uh, one of those. He mm-hmm. was a member of that group. But he went on to uh, become a television correspondent mm-hmm. for uh, Channel 2, Channel 4, uh, and he also wrote a column for the Daily News. Mm-hmm. And um, he did not look like, as I do not look like, most of the TV reporters that you see. Right. Um, they are, uh, first of all, much younger, uh, <laughs> much smaller than I. Um, and, and there's a certain kind of handsomeness and hair <laughs> that is required to be a successful, generally speaking, commercial right. television news reporter. And right. so I didn't fit that. And he, I don't fit that. And he didn't fit that. But mm-hmm. he was smart and he was funny and he was hip. Mm-hmm. And, and he was a really good writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he, I kind of was inspired to find my voice as David Cruz mm-hmm. uh, by seeing how he was himself, mm-hmm. you know, and um, you got it or you didn't. Right. But he was a straight shooter and he, um, he to me, the, the biggest thing that we do as journalists, I think, I mean, sometimes we're like, oh, we bring the truth and all of that. And yes, that's true. Mm-hmm. 
um, he did that, and that's what I try to do. That that's you know that's interesting that you brought him up. Um, just you said Pablo Guzman was his name. Um, yeah. Yeah, 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 and I and and it's, it just reminds me that during that period, especially like with the Black Panthers, the Young Lords, there was another group that I'm blanking on the name right now, but how important the media aspect was to getting the message yeah. out about what's happening in the neighborhoods. Um, that I guess that need to push for people to listen about what's going on. What did that have an effect on you? Yeah, I mean, to me, I, I've always felt very much rooted in in this community. Mm-hmm. Um, I lived for a piece in uh, in Newark, okay. uh, in the Valesburg section. Um, Valesburg. <laughs> uh, I was a community organizer there, actually, mm-hmm. uh, more than a thousand years ago, before I started in, in this business. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always see. Uh, how everything that happens, like I cover Trenton a lot, um, the state house and the county government, city government. Um, most people, they don't realize that the, the, the things that have the most impact on their immediate lives is not, you know, the, the, the federal government surplus or, you know, uh, policy over uh, this thing or the other thing. It's what did your city council just do? Right. Uh, you know, this street used to be two ways and now it's just one way. Right. Or this neighborhood where only uh, four-story brownstones were once allowed, now developers can come in and just buy those homes and knock them down and put up, mm-hmm. you know, 120-unit apartment building. Right. Whether you like that or not, um, that's happening on your local level you know the county determines what happens on kennedy boulevard or west side park lincoln park right right. um you know those those are the things that most affect you and those are the things that hit you in the pocketbook because your your taxes as a homeowner um or or you know because homeowners pass it on to renters so Mm -hmm. you know renters don't uh uh skate by either right you know and so that's your tax dollars at work and to me I always had a, a, a great interest in that and the impact of those mm-hmm. things and would shake people when I could and say, don't watch like CNN, <laughs> turn that shit off because that's, it's, it's, you know, that's irrelevant. I mean, it's not irrelevant entirely. It's not impactful, but enough. it's not impactful right. immediately right. Uh, to who you are and, and the things that affect you and your family. And so I've had a great, uh, I've been very lucky mm-hmm. that I've been in um, public media right. uh, as opposed to commercial media. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've had opportunities to tell stories that you don't always see on the local nightly news because mm-hmm. that's so much centered on murder and and all of that, you know, the, the most violent right. and the most divisive and right. the most, you know, exciting things that they have pictures of. Yeah, they got to make it juicy. You know, I mean... What is the relevance of a car chase that ended up in a, in a crash in some industrial part of town? The only thing that's relevant of it is that we got video of it. Right. So, you know, we got the helicopter footage and all that. And, yeah, and that's what people, um, you know, it turns them on to. And it's like I compare it to just having a regular diet of ice cream and cake 
and you know not having your damn vegetables you mm, know eat your damn vegetables um, yeah because that's that's the stuff that really uh as you said has the most impact on people you know that's damn man it's like we saying that we say the same thing oh, so now i'm plagiarizing no, no. <laughs> that's how you treat your guests here <laughs> no because like i i i relate to that that resonates with me d- yeah. deeply because that's kind of not even kind of that's what this show is about just making sure the community understands what's happening on your block and in your neighborhood and with as 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 much history as you have covering the state and covering north jersey jersey city you know local media has been in such a decline over the past few decades yeah um what has been some of the biggest changes you've seen since you've like you like you said you've like even before we cut the mics on you was telling us a story about Jackie Robinson playing at the old <laughs> stadium like I don't yeah. even know if people understand the history that this city has and that's stuff we need to know yeah I mean uh, you know I, I love this city I've lived here all my life I, I was born downtown mm-hmm. uh, as I was saying before I lived in every neighborhood uh, except Marion yeah except Marion <laughs> shout, 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 shout out to Marion shout out to Marion uh, but I, I've lived in the Heights and Journal Square, and now, and now I live in Greenville. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, to me, I, I have seen. Uh, you talk about Jackie Robinson. I'll tell the story anyway because people need to know that a year before Jackie Robinson broke uh, the so-called color barrier in professional Major League Baseball, mm-hmm. um, he was a member of the. Uh, Montreal Monarchs, mm-hmm. who were the farm team, the AAA team mm-hmm. for the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jersey City had a team called the Jersey City Giants. Mm-hmm. Um, and they played at the old Roosevelt Stadium, which mm-hmm. is off on um, 440 in Danforth, which is now a housing development society hill. Mm-hmm. Um, but he actually uh, broke the color barrier in professional baseball here in Jersey City at uh, Roosevelt Stadium. And it, I, I know that so much because that's where... I did. I committed my first act of journalism <laughs> was that I was uh, writing for the school newspaper. Mm-hmm. I became editor in chief ultimately mm-hmm. of the school. You got to shout out the high school. Shout out the high school. First high. I got yeah. my first high yeah, sweatshirt. You're wearing on. the first high and sweatshirt. The, the, the year here, you don't want to look at. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say the year, but it's it's much older than a lot of us. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. Um, no, but that's that's like like even when you. Like telling that story is just so incredible because, like, even when I tell like a lot of my out of town friends about how much history the city has, they just it kind of just like really, and I'm just like, no, it's it's a lot of things that that have happened here that due to the decline of local media, those stories just get forgotten for sure. And and I'll give you a good example. Just recently, this past year, the Hudson Reporter. Uh, which was a weekly newspaper here. Yeah, we covered that. that. I worked at. Oh, you worked there. Years. I was the editor in chief there for a Holy while. Holy shit! We were a spunky little newspaper then. Yeah, we covered that story because then they just they went defunct or bankrupt or something. Yeah, they like that. just closed down. Um, they got bought up. The original owner was a real estate developer, ironically enough, mm. um, in Hoboken. Uh, but the paper grew. It was kind of like a, a Hudson County Village Voice for mm-hmm. a while there. Um, it was alternative press, um, uh, and a lot of great writers who are, are, you know, in the business still today doing good stuff, uh, went through mm-hmm. the, the Hudson reporter, but 
they got bought up on a few years ago and then you know during the consolidation of media mm-hmm. and um they were slow to get an online presence they mm-hmm. were just terrible they had the same website pretty much that they had when i left in like 2000 or whatever oh, shit that's whatever. like whatever. yeah netscape explorer or something like that yeah right <laughs> that's exactly. bad that's exactly, bad yeah <laughs> you know um and, and so but they were you know particularly when i was there and for a few years after for sure uh they were a local newspaper they mm-hmm. covered jersey city city council mm-hmm. um and you know i used to have when i was the editor there i used to have the reporters write a column called Parliamentary Procedures mm-hmm. and it was about um, or, or what happened at the planning board what happened at the zoning board mm-hmm. the ABC board uh, that controlled liquor license all of those things mm-hmm. because you know that's the kind of thing as I was saying earlier that affects you the most right. and when you lose um, those outlets you lose that coverage yeah and that's when the shady shit happens. Yeah, because you don't have that information anymore. <clears throat> exactly. And, and I think, and I think that's because of that. I think that goes hand in hand with a lot of the <sighs> shady shit, as you so eloquently yes. put it. That's been happening in the city for the past couple of years because people, by the time we know about it, it's too late already because nobody's talking about it. Yeah, I mean, I think also that um, there is. Uh, Activists, uh-huh. uh, there are activists who um, are watching, uh-huh. um, but you know the 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 entrenched um, the, the power structure uh-huh. uh, that exists is really hard to penetrate. Uh-huh. Uh, and people like you know one of the things that um, I always say is that everybody's a reformer until they become an incumbent. And then when they're an incumbent, they're like, oh, well, you know, we got to consolidate power. And then that's how you get uh, former mayors who, who, you know, were reformers who then become, you know, uh, power players in the in the county political organization. Okay, I got in a lot of trouble uh, 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 with Twitter followers Mm -hmm. when I started talking about that. Um, it's not my endorsement of that system. Mm-hmm. I'm just pointing it out. No, I think, but you know what? It's, it's interesting that it happens because we, you know, me and Frankie all, often have this discussion about, you know, why do we, why when we put these people in positions of power, they're like, okay, we're going to do great things. We're going to do things for the community. And as soon as they get in there for a couple of years and it's like, yeah, you know, I don't know if we can do that anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, we really have to worry about the tax dollars and this is all this other shit that is like y'all weren't talking about this when we elected you. Do I mean do you have an answer why that happened? I don't know. I'm just it just baffles I mean, me that it's it's there's there's politics and then there's government, right? And in politics it's about perpetuation. You know, you you, you got elected and so you know, you got high off that shit. It was like, you know. That's a fact. Yeah. <laughs> and fact. so you want to keep getting elected. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's councilman again, but maybe the councilman wants to be mayor. You're chasing maybe that first Maybe the mayor time. wants to be governor. Right. And then suddenly, you know, if you're a governor, people talk about you as president. Donald Trump showed that anybody can be president of the United States. So, you know, that's that's the reality of that is that if you got, 
enough money and and media um, attention, any idiot can become president of the United States. That is the unfortunate truth of of our political system today. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean that's a whole other uh, would, bag would of worms. You, would you say politicians are akin to drug addicts? <clears throat> um, I don't, don't want to get you in trouble. I, I, <laughs> I don't want to get you in trouble. Yes, I mean, yeah, I mean, you you could say that. Um, to, you're kind of stretching the metaphor a little bit. I mean, I do that sometimes. You know, yeah, forgive yeah, me, yeah. forgive me, forgive um, me. But you know, it, it it's the power can become addictive. The power can you know, addictive. and the rush of politics, and you know, a long time ago. Uh, in between journalism jobs for a minute there, I became a political consultant. Okay. Um, I'm undefeated in Hoboken, by the way. Shout out to you. Uh, yeah, yeah. And um, so, you know, you really get to, I, I got an inside look. I mean, I covered it from the outside, mm -hmm. but being the guy in those meetings with people who you're trying to elect, uh, you see the, the, the power um, that they feel when mm -hmm. they win. You know, it's like, Hey, thirty-eight people voted for me. Only twenty-two voted for the other guy, right. and so you, they get a rush, mm -hmm. and they think that that, you know, they want that all the time, right. and they think that that's what it's about, mm -hmm. um, because the politics becomes, you know, it's a perpetual motion. It's like the hamster mm -hmm. on the wheel. You just keep chasing. Uh, you, you really, you know, and and some people do good and want to do good. Right. Uh, and some succeed at it. I, I don't want to say that they don't mm -hmm. um, because it's politicians who pass the laws that, you know, that, uh, you know, the Voting Rights Act. Right. Uh, and so that, you know, th there's value in what they do, mm -hmm. but there's a big responsibility also in what they do. And mm -hmm. so the the politics is, is the shady side of it that, you know, people do shady shit. They do. Um, and the, the government side, you hope, um, is is where people want to make a difference, mm -hmm. you know, but the two are so intertwined that it's impossible to separate them, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, you have to be a real idealist to think that they can be separated. Um, but, you know, so that's, that's what motivates a lot of people. And, mm -hmm. and then it's a whole ecosystem because people want to read about that, right. you know, and people want to see the press conference where the councilman said some stupid shit <laughs> that's true and so we all kind of feed on each other in that way yeah i that's interesting politics and government are two separate things i never thought about it that way i guess because i'm always dealing with like the political side and just how the politicians behave so much know? of it is that yes right. yeah so like, people don't want to hear so much about the government side they're like you start talking about for instance mm -hmm. right the the governor just introduced a budget that's $53 billion. That's billion with a B. Billion with a B. Um, and so, you know, you, you can, you start talking about budgets. Like when we do our show, um, I tell people, you know, I do like a, a parental discretion advice. Shout, shout out start. your show. Shout out your show. Oh, uh, it's, uh, we have two shows. One is called Chatbox. Mm -hmm. uh, and the other is called Reporters Roundtable. Chatbox mm -hmm. is, um, I call it the, the chat show of record because... Oh, okay. Um, if you're trying to do something in New Jersey, um, chat boxes is where you need to talk about it. Okay. And we try to get guests on um, that are of interest to people. We had Amy DeGis on to explain herself 
um, <laughs> about her incident. You know, we've had the governor, we've had we've had the Lucas brothers. Okay. Um, we've had uh, Steve Van Zant. So you know, we we yeah, got some heavy. We try and get some heavies in there. The yeah. governor, Cory Booker, comes on and and cuts up with us. Um, and the reporters roundtable is uh, as you it sounds, uh, reporters, and mm-hmm. we talk about. The stories of the day, and we usually have a newsmaker mm-hmm. uh, there as well. But now, when I got into all the shout-outs, I forgot what you asked. Me. No, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I was I was appreciating everything you were saying. But going back to, um, you know, you were saying that politicians they get kind of entranced by the rush of being elected, yes. having that power. Um, as someone who's who's seen kind of both sides of the coin, how do you keep a straight line? Because even for someone like yourself, you, it's easy to be swayed in one way. Yeah, I mean, I think the the for me the important thing is that I don't give a shit about <laughs> what people generally think of me. I mean, everybody wants to be liked, but right. I'd much rather be. No, I follow you on Twitter. I know you. You don't give a shit about what people. Yeah, think about I mean, you. and I don't try to. You know, I never call people names or anything like that you know you know um, you know you and i had a back and forth i don't know if you remember it i don't yeah we had a back <laughs> and forth that's the thing about that I, no you, you do know. it so much I, i'm pretty sure you don't remember yeah. we had i forgot what we were going back and forth it was probably something with Philip. i right. think you might have agreed with something he said and then i said and we had a little back and yeah forth. yes uh some people people hate when i agree with 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 the mayor that's right. for sure right and i get a lot of a crap about it but then when i say something that's critical of the mayor people are like yeah retweet that yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> david yeah. cruz got it right <laughs> so you know if you know that you know that that's what's gonna happen then mm-hmm. you just for me i don't care Mm-hmm. I'm not afraid of like I'm not afraid of any elected official or mm-hmm. anything like that. Not that you somebody would be, but some people don't want to make their subjects uncomfortable. Right. So on my on my shows, our shows I should say, uh because it does take a village to put those shows together. Absolutely. Um, on our shows, um I'm not trying to argue with people. Right. Uh but I'm going to ask the tough questions, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to hold you to what it is that you said and call you out on it. Right. But I don't have to argue with you mm-hmm. on the show to to feel like I did my job, right. you know. Um, but, you know, like at a press conference, it's the stuff that you don't see for me. Um, like you won't see me getting into it with a with a, with an elected official mm-hmm. um, but you'll see what their answer was to my question right. sometimes I'll leave my follow up question in there uh, for instance one story we did recently about Amy DeGeese and her lawyer came out and, and he thought he was going to have a friendly conversation we were all going to just take what he said mm-hmm. and so you know the whole question was what happened during those six hours you mm-hmm. know uh, and so he you know he tried to ignore it and mm. said some other junk, and I was like, "Yeah, but the six hours." And so we yeah. kept that in the story, right, right. To, to which was a little argumentative, but it made the point of, you know, you're not answering the question, Holmes. Right. You know. <laughs> uh, so for me, I, I just I, I try to be fearless, and mm-hmm. I try not to worry about what either the person that I'm reporting on, or the people who are seeing my story, um, what they think, honestly, about how I've gone about it. You know, you could try to call me out on, uh, did I get the facts right or mm-hmm. whatever? 
Um, because, you know, my, my co-workers will tell you that they got to fact check me sometimes. I'm terrible <laughs> with numbers, particularly. Right. Uh, and names, you know, I'll call Joseph John and, right, right. you know, things like that. But I mispronounce things all the time. Yeah. But the, the, the essence of it, the context of it, mm-hmm. um, I, I don't think I, I uh, that's my main focus of, of my goal when I'm putting a story together. Mm-hmm. Um and just from my own personal, I don't, I do not care if you like me, you know, I, uh-huh. I do not. Um, but I don't want you to, to not like me. I'd rather that you did. Right. Um, but if you don't, it's okay. I'm, I'm going to be okay with it. No, I want to go back to something you said, you know, you said you have to be fearless. Do you think that's something that you would des- that was innate in you or something you had to learn? Well, as I said earlier, growing up in a, small Puerto Rican family of 12, (laughs) you have to be heard um, in in that context, you know? Um, And so even if it's just to make sure that you got uh, your share of rice and beans at dinner. You got to make sure they hear you. Yeah, but who took my shoes? Where are my shoes? Right, right. Um, Yeah. That's right, that's right. And um, so uh, I think that my family really... Uh, gave me that strength mm-hmm. to um, understand because we were poor when I, I grew up in basically a single my mom really raised us. my father was never a father of the year mm-hmm. um, but uh, so my mom raised us and um, you know you you have to sink or swim mm. you know and um, so even you know <laughs> when I was younger uh we lived in, like I said, a mixed neighborhood, and we were near the the old Italian neighborhood too. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you went up, if you walked up the hill, you had to run the gauntlet of of uh, Pavonia Avenue, where there was a lot of Irish mm-hmm. um, there. And you know, the Puerto Rican kids, we we clashed with them. Um, and, but when I heard people like, you don't really hear this anymore. People say spick. Yeah, you know, you you really don't hear that word anymore. Um, they found other words mm-hmm. to use. Yeah, but you know, whenever I faced racism like that, I was like, I had for some reason high self esteem mm-hmm. from you know my my family. Really, they gave me backbone. You know, right. Um, and so when I would face uh, racist people, I would be like, man, what's what's your problem? Right. You know what? Why are you ignorant? You right. know, and like it's not on me to make you uh, like me or respect me or whatever. Because mm-hmm. I have my own uh, self love. You know, mm-hmm. I have a lot of respect for myself mm-hmm. because I hold myself to a standard. Right. You know, and um, what that's you know, it's like a challenge really when you try to hold yourself to your own standard and make it a high standard. It really doesn't matter what what other people think of you what other people Mm. call you or say about you Mm. because for me i know you know that i have no agenda Mm. when i'm reporting for instance Mm -hmm. i may have a point of view Mm -hmm. for sure but i don't have um an agenda where i want this person's story to dominate over you know the other version of the story Mm -hmm. you know frequently there is no truth you know people have different opinions of what this bottle here is right you know um but the reality is that you know if this thing is red 
you, you have to say that it's red right. whether people like it or not right you know and i think that that's a challenge uh to to journalists today because sometimes everybody wants to be fair and even and yes you have to provide balance but not everybody is right all the time. I mean, mm -hmm. if you're reporting about a guy who says some racist shit uh -huh. or, you know, is, is corrupt, you got, you know, he's taking a, 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 an envelope and putting it in his pocket <laughs> and then he pulls it out and there's cash in it. Right, right. You know, that is what it is. Right, right. And so the challenge is to, to, uh, to speak the truth but also explain to people why it matters. By the way, this envelope... Mm -hmm. Um, I got it today. It is my Jersey City library card. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> I, I had my wallet's not on me, but I got my library card. I got on one. Um, I had my number for a while now. They just finally mailed this to me. But there is, a, they have a Jersey Journal archive mm. that goes back to the 1800s when the Jersey Journal was called the Evening News or whatever it was called. But you, Jersey Journal goes back that far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it it had uh, there's great stories in there, and the writing is so uh, rich. Uh, I one of my favorite stories: a 1901 tornado that tore th came from uh, Newark Bay uh, through Greenville down my block where I live now, mm -hmm. and into downtown mm -hmm. uh, to um, the Palace Drugs is what's there now, but it used to be a theater there. Mm -hmm. And it uh, it tore the roof off the theater, and there was a a, a lion in in one of the uh, shows that was at the theater, and mm -hmm. the, the lion cage got damaged. But Jesus, yeah. So this was in 1901, but wow. that that's uh, just one of the great things that you can. Uh, they, their motto is learning for free, mm -hmm. uh, and that's the kind of thing that if you get a library card, you can go into those archives and and get lost. I will take two three hours just reading. Uh, that stuff. Man, you see, I didn't even know all of that. You know, if that see, that is a great reason to go support your local libraries. Oh, no doubt. I, I no did doubt. not know any of that. That's um, man, I did not know Jersey Journal goes back that far. Yeah. Now I have to do some research. Um, with I'm trying to I'm trying to formulate this question the right way. Mm -hmm. <sighs> Do you feel pressured in your in your career, have or have you felt pressured in your career to be a certain way? Like, have to have have you been approached by like politicians, corporate people to to like the only, sway a story or something? The like only that? time that ever really happened was I actually started my journalism career in television mm. uh, for a show called North Hudson News, mm. which was uh, the precursor of what became News Twelve. Okay. <clears throat> But the local news, uh, the local cable channels would have uh, a newscast. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I, I was there. And, and at that time, the local municipality controlled who got the cable contract. Mm -hmm. And so I remember doing a story. Uh, it was a dopey story because there was nothing on the city council agenda. But they always start late. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I did a story about why the asking why do the city council meetings always start so late mm -hmm. i mean you know 40 45 minutes somebody's you know uh taking the time to go to the city council meeting right start shit on time yeah yeah absolutely uh but so i did that story and and the the mayor at the time bruce walter was his name in union city mm -hmm. um 
they got mad because I, I was asking the city clerk, why did the meeting start late? And so we had him on video saying, uh, uh, humana, humana. <laughs> and so, I mean, I used it in the story and, and the, the mayor called my boss and my boss wanted to pull the story. Uh. And I remember saying, look, I'll quit. If you pull that story, I'll quit. And it was a dopey story that was really just reflecting my point of view because I was pissed that I had to be there, <laughs> you know? Uh, and, and so uh, that's the only time that that ever happened. You get people who will say, you know, politicians who will say, oh, you you suck. Uh -huh. the, there was a, a mayor in Hoboken, Anthony uh, Russo, uh -huh. Um, who I used to uh, cover, and we'd get into shouting matches in city council, you really? know, like right before the council meeting, he'd say, you're a fucking idiot. I mean, like that. Wow. And uh, so I went right back at him, because again, you know, I, I grew up in Jersey City in, in the 70s and 80s, so I mean, I can't, yeah. I, I'm, you know, but to me, that was fun, too, because I, I like, um, what? Yeah, like, let's you know? do it. Yeah, and so... You know, I, I, I've always been that way, you know? Yeah. So that, that takes a lot of, um, that does take a, a high level of fairness, fearlessness. Yeah. But I've never, I'm lucky and I'm knocking wood now, um, that I never had an, an editor mm -hmm. or an owner really. I mean, when I was the editor in chief, I would have arguments with the owner mm -hmm. over editorial direction and, and stuff like that, but it never got to the reporters mm -hmm. because I was like, well, I hear you, boss, but they're going to do what they're going to do. And so you got to deal with that or you can fire us all, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so, but I, I threatened to quit. They didn't pull the story. Um, and, you know, I, I ultimately got fired from that job anyway. So keeping with this theme of integrity that you've had over the years you've had i'm just you've had such a long career a great career stop telling people how old i am <laughs> <laughs> no i'm not gonna do that i'm not gonna do that david cruz is, is a youthful man <laughs> he's a vibrant out, he's, a, he's a vibrant <laughs> robust man run laps around your local blogger yeah. but <laughs> but with such with with you cover politics. New Jersey politics is such a different animal. How is it navigating through such a volatile environment while maintaining your integrity? Well, again, as I said before, it, it takes a lot of I don't care. Right. Uh, but, I mean, you, you have to know there's nothing new under the sun um, when it comes to politics. It's the same game mm -hmm. uh and in new jersey we just play it like you know full contact we do you know no pads uh, no pads no helmets <laughs> it's just, just full contact straight, straight it's like it. you know those, it's like street football yes exactly exactly um and and so but there's nothing new you know there's it's look on the state level the the governor is the mayor of the state right and the legislature is the city council of the state right so if, if you think of it in those terms, the county is the same thing. The county executive is the mayor of the county and the commissioners, formerly known as freeholders, mm -hmm. are the city council of the county. Mm -hmm. And so if you understand that that's the context, then you know that the game that they're playing in Trenton over this XYZ bill is the same shit as the ordinance that is trying to make its way through the city council. Mm -hmm. It's just the same 
uh, the, the, it's the same process, just different levels mm -hmm. of government. So if you understand that, then you see through the matrix, mm -hmm. you know, because they'll try to, you know, say, oh, look at this. Yeah, may it, make it look you like know, it's something yeah. different. Ooh, squirrel, <laughs> you know, like that. And but it's really just, you know, they want to make it possible for, you know, there to be a big tax break for XYZ industry, mm -hmm. whatever it is, mm -hmm. because that industry funds so many of their campaigns. Right. And now, because anybody can give any amount of money mm -hmm. to anybody mm -hmm. um, and not have to claim it, right? right? So you can, you know, the, the system, the corruption is baked into the system. Mm. So... You know, you'll hear, you'll see like uh, Progress for New Jersey. I hope that's not a real name of an organization. But it probably is. It but probably is. Yeah. Progress for Jersey. It's a 501c4 nonprofit. So mm -hmm. they can't technically uh, uh, participate in strategy with the governor or, mm -hmm. or whatever. But the governor can appear in their ads mm -hmm. so long as they don't say vote for the governor. Mm -hmm. Um, and who gave the money to that organization? Who knows? They don't have to tell you. Uh. So, I mean, that's the kind of system that we are in right now. Um, and that system applies everywhere. Now you see city council races right. and mayoral races. To run for mayor in Jersey City in whatever, three years, whatever it's going to be, it's going to be $5 million, yep. $10 million maybe. Just to start. Just to be mayor of Jersey City. So mm -hmm. how and why are you spending millions of dollars mm -hmm. to be the mayor in a town where your salary is, I don't know, 160, 150, whatever it is? Mm -hmm. um, what's that about? Yeah, the numbers you know? don't And add who's up. giving to those organizations that support you mm -hmm. are they going to are they real estate developers who are going to want to get a variance to build a hotel mm -hmm. next to xyz whatever mm -hmm. probably but you don't know that because they don't have to tell you and so that that's the environment that you're in and so you have to be extra vigilant yet organi uh, news organizations are dying all around us right. laying people off right. all around us um, and and you, it's rare that you can have the capacity to do the digging necessary mm -hmm. to um, find out that shit that's happening. You know, why is this developer getting favored treatment? Do you think that's by design? Yes, I, yes, I, 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 I know. I just needed yes. you to say it so yes. that people can hear it. it. It is by design. I mean, you know, um, here's a perfect example. There is currently um, in the state legislature something called the Elections Transparency Act. Uh -huh. And it's supposed to bring more clarity to elections. Sounds like bullshit But already. the subtext of it all is it gives the governor 90 days free to elect, uh, to uh, appoint people to this board called the Elections Law Enforcement Commission. Uh -huh that um, looks into campaign spending, campaign laws and stuff like that. So the, the it's going to give the governor the ability to appoint the commissioners uh. who appoint the executive director, who's the, you know, the CEO, essentially, uh -huh. um, without any kind of confirmation from the Senate or any input from the Senate at all. Just the governor says, here, I want my daughter, my son, 
my cousin and my uncle to fill those four seats, <laughs> right? Uh, and the, the Senate has no advice and consent over that. Wow. So the transparency is that the, the governor <laughs> is targeting the guy who's the boss at the Election Law Enforcement Commission. Mm-hmm. So he wants to get him out to put in, I guess, his guy. His cousin. But at the same, <laughs> but at the same time, it there's other stuff in that bill that is going to allow uh, probably 80% of the cases that this commission uh, looks through on campaign finance irregularities, uh-huh. didn't file this, took money from that. 80% of them will be gone because the statute of limitations has been shrunk from 10 years to two years. So anything that happened more than two years ago... Can't say anything. Right. It's you're off. You you could have done whatever. So essentially that there is no oversight. There will be no oversight, but technically there will be a commission. But the governor has free hand to appoint those people. So there's no oversight. Um, So, (laughs) you know, it's and and there's just things in there that luckily um, there was some news media that does cover the state still that finds that Uh and, and they'll report on that. But that's one out of the 10, 20, 30 other things that mm-hmm. that get passed in, in the legislature. We can't catch it that all. That you can't get them all. And then you find out two years later, oh, shit, that thing that Senator XYZ voted for, look, a campaign contributor of his mm-hmm. um, is a developer, and they're building a hotel next to the train station. And, oh, my and goodness. That's, and that's what I like tell people, like the, especially specifically with Jersey City, we learn about things so late like it's already built and then the community's like well what the hell just happened and then someone says oh they did this and they passed that and and there's no oversight so i i I, damn and the other the other side of that right is um people the players know um that that's the system right so they play their supporters here's here's a perfect example liberty state park which is the thing that's that's happening now oh shit right there is um, the state is putting forth a plan that came from this uh, board that they put together to increase recreation activities mm-hmm. at Liberty State Park. I don't know anybody who's against that. But tucked in there, um, uh, the, the the organizations, I won't even name them because it's like, you know, we love Liberty State Park and you hate it, yeah, right. is basically what they're saying. It's, it's a lot, yeah. But, and and the, the aspect of it, of somebody called it oh we're going to desegregate liberty state park if if that were the case that you needed to desegregate liberty state park mm-hmm. i would be all for that but the dirty little secret that they don't want you to know is that liberty state park is the is the most democratic park that you could ever find is um you know, people playing cricket there in the open field. You know, they're all uh, South Asians, right? Okay. Basketball players, uh, soccer players from all everywhere. Else. People walking uh, their dogs, mm-hmm. black and brown people, mm-hmm. white people, Asian people. It is the the most beautiful thing about Liberty State Park is that, mm-hmm. right? So I'm for uh, putting more recreational stuff there but tucked away in the little proposal is big ass stadium over here a casino. another big thing over there that you say you know they're like well uh lafayette 
these kids don't have a place to go, whatever. Yes, mm -hmm. great. But what does a 5,000 seat hockey arena yeah, they try to put have to do with little there. kids, right? Yeah. And the worst part of that is that they uh, go to the black community, right? And this is an organization that's funded by the guy who owns the, the golf course there. Paul Fireman. Yeah. Uh, and so he has funded these foundations and blah, blah, blah. Um, and they're like, well, take our, our park back for the people. Mm. And it's not really that. Because he's really, he's if Paul Fireman wanted, he could. he's a billionaire. He used to own Reebok, right? So right. if he really wanted to, to do something for the community, he could go there and just by waving his hand, they could take the Cave and Point uh, uh, recreation area there mm -hmm. and make it world class. Wow. And it wouldn't cost him nothing but going in his pocket. Like, I've got $5 in my pocket. Mm -hmm. He's got, you know, he'd just go in there and, and millions million. of dollars. Yeah, here's $5 million. Right? So if he wanted to do that, he could. But it's so cynical mm. that they tell the black community and the brown community, oh, they're not letting you into the park. And that's just, it's not true. But people manipulate that system. And it reminded me having been here for a hundred years. Um, <laughs> that was you that time. I didn't say how old you were. That was oh, yeah. you that time. <laughs> yes. just, making, just making that clear. I'm, I'm a little younger than a hundred. <laughs> um, but I remember back in the day when politicians, they wanted to um, get the black vote. Mm -hmm. They would go to Montgomery Gardens yep. and, and the different, uh, uh, mostly black and brown projects and swear to God, have watermelon parties. You lying. I'm not lying. Fried chicken. Dave, All right. It's like I'm not lying. Seriously. Take every stereotype. Puerto Ricans, they would have a a, a pig roast, the right? Fuck out of and here. so that was the way that they reached out to the community. And I'm using air quotes here, right? And so this reminds me of that. Wow. You know, like they had a a, a party, and they were busting people in to this to this party. Um, that not too far from here at the 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 whiskey joint. I can't remember the name of it. Uh, brewing. It, the, uh, the brewing. Nine oh two. Yeah, nine oh two. Something. Sorry, guys. I, I didn't get your name right. My bad. <laughs> um, but and, and it's just cynical because the organizations are funded by Paul Fireman, who you know he has uh, his golf course and he wants a piece of the park mm -hmm. so that he can put three extra holes there. Mm -hmm. um, and so be straight up. Just be straight up and say, look, I'm a billionaire and I want some land here. And right. so this is why I'm putting pressure on over here. And it's just dishonest that mm -hmm. um, they, they front like that. Yeah. And it's a, a, a white um, guy at the head of it, funded by a white billionaire. It's a lot of white money. Um, and, and they go into the black community and saying, this is for you. And it, it really isn't. I mean, you know, basketball courts, soccer fields, yes. Um, bring that stuff to the park. But, you know, they, they just, they downplay the fact that they want to commercialize mm -hmm. the park. And that's dishonest. To me, it's like, be upfront. Yeah, just say what you say what you want. Yeah. And, so, and, and, and let Paul Fireman speak because he's the one who's putting the money behind and it. And he hasn't said shit. Right. I so, mean, I, I, I think, you know, and I think with all of that, and I think that's why local media is so important. And I'm glad that you said it is by design, because to your point earlier about people seeing through the matrix, I think 
especially right now with social media, with the decline of local media, with all of these other distractions, whether it's fucking Kanye saying something crazy or Trump saying something crazy. Yeah. Like there's not a you can't get anybody's attention on what's happening in their city anymore unless somebody gets killed by the police. Yeah. It, it, it is uh, an unfortunate truth that, you know, that what's the song, uh, the rap? It's uh, there's a lot going on, but ain't a damn thing happening. That's that's a fact. Um, that's and, a fact. and that's really what it is when you look at what's on the news that I'm using quotes again mm-hmm. on CNN and, and all of that stuff. It's like, why do we need to know uh, about you know somebody's controversial comments about blah 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 who gives a shit what kanye thinks about anything thank you my man i mean anybody though it's that you know what actor you know uh i like a lot of actors and a lot of musicians but i don't really want to know what they yeah, i don't think. want to know your opinion i, I don't want to know I social just justice throw down the music yeah that's and, and, and i'll get with it. i didn't i never knew my thing is jazz that's that's the music that i listen to most mm-hmm. but i never knew what miles davis thought about anything really um you know john coltrane and and all of these guys they they weren't out there on social media you know maybe they they might have been but i I highly doubt it because miles davis didn't give a shit what you thought of him anyway so and and even if they took political stances or social stances it was always funneled through their art yes it wasn't like i'm on twitter telling you how i feel about and it wasn't a particular group miles davis's uh problems with his girlfriend right yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, I do you is there any way cuz to me, right? Local media journalists are usually like the first line of defense or they should be the first line of defense to getting this information out to the people. Do you see any type of resurgence happening where like more smaller independent groups are popping up trying to get the information out to people? It, it's going to have to be that like, like small guerrilla groups. Yeah, because the 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 model, you know, where I work now, NJPBS, uh, we're a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. So there's not so much pressure for ratings and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I'm really lucky in that regard. That's why I can do my average story a week uh, is three minutes and, and 30 seconds. Okay. And that's a lifetime on a television news story. You mm-hmm. see... Most of the commercial news outlets, it's, you know, minute 20, minute 30. And you can't tell a story in that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, as far as local news, there, there's good news and bad news, in my opinion, because the good news is that more people are paying attention to what's happening locally mm-hmm. and more people are putting the word out. Mm-hmm. Right. And. You know, the concept of, of citizen journalism uh, has come up. And uh, I got into a, a thing on, on Twitter about that because I said that citizen journalism is not a thing uh, because I think that journalists, you're not really a citizen. You know, you're, you're like, in my opinion, you don't really exist in your community. You are just an observer. Mm. Right. And and you obviously bring your perspective to things. Mm-hmm. Right. But you can't um, be a citizen and support a campaign or support an issue mm-hmm. and then go out and, and report on it from only that point of view. 
right? Okay. And there's a lot of stuff that is underreported in our communities mm -hmm. for sure. Um, and local journalists are out there doing it, right? right? There, there's people who are doing it well. But if all your journalism is about advocating for a person, a thing, whatever, I don't think to me that's not journalism. You sound like a cheerleader. Right? Yeah, I mean, in a way, and I mean, they're earnest and they want to help their community mm -hmm. and they're trying to speak to a community and frequently are speaking to a community that's underserved, mm -hmm. but you're not serving them well if you're just saying shit that they want to hear, right. that, that they're going to agree with. Right. You know, you have to be able to provide a broad enough context that some of the people who read your shit or watch you are going to be like, oh, I don't know about that, man. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I don't agree. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. But if, if you... All you do is, if your goal is, oh, I want to uh, talk about only tenants, mm -hmm. right? Then, you know, you're you're an advocate. You're not a journalist, mm -hmm. you know? So, I mean, sometimes we get tied up in, in the words and what does a journalist mean and all that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you, you have to provide context, yes. But um, to just advocate in your journalism, I don't think to me, I think that's advocacy. Um, and they're using journalistic tools okay. to to advocate, which so, is cool. And and that, but that's advocacy in my mind. So then, what is a journalist to you, in your opinion? You know, the old expression of uh, I, I I can't explain it, but I know when I see it. Mm -hmm. But the main thing is to me is is someone who contextualizes. You okay. know, there's the requirements of journalism, which is you know the truth as it's it's been presented and and all of that but to me context is your main uh thing as a journalist you know because a lot of people can tell you you know the the um the main facts of a story uh -huh. that you know this development is going to cost a hundred million dollars and blah 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 but what is the the impact of that thing in your neighborhood uh -huh. right that's important uh, an important part of it uh -huh. so you know, I, I'm sure I didn't explain what journalism is. That's I'm fine. sure that there's, there's a uh, in the dictionary somewhere. There's like a, a an explanation of it. Mm -hmm. But to me, it's it's a person who um, brings the facts to you, but also puts that stuff in context so that you understand it, mm -hmm. um, and that you understand what its impact is on you, your community, uh, or some other community that you're not a part of, mm -hmm. right? You know, speak to black people so that white people can understand it. Mm -hmm. Speak to white people so that black people can understand it. Speak mm -hmm. to Latinos so that they understand their context in things, mm -hmm. you know? That's a very eloquent way of putting it. I have an idea as to like, just journalism overall. I don't do it, but I observe it a lot. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I like to think that journalism is a duty. No doubt. I mean, mm. I, I I will. Uh, people will be surprised to know that um, I think the last time I voted was uh, and now this will disqualify me for ever running for office. Uh, I think the last time I voted was uh, for Barack Obama. OK. Uh, the first time. OK. And to me, I just wanted to do that for myself. Right. But. As far as voting or supporting candidates, um, to me, I don't think journalists should. I, and I, you know, I don't vote because I don't want um, who I'm voting for 
to impact in any way the way I do my work. Okay. You know, so some people will call me bullshit on that, and mm -hmm. and that's okay, um, because I, you know, I'm not saying that you shouldn't vote if you're a journalist, mm -hmm. but for me, my way of looking at things is that I, I exist in between the lines of everything, mm. um, and that. I don't, you know, I know so many people mm -hmm. uh, in this city and so many elected officials mm -hmm. here and around the state who, I'm, you know, chummy me with, mm -hmm. right? But I don't want the fact that I'm going to vote impact the way that I deal with those people. So mm -hmm. to me, I, I'm like just this guy who exists in mm -hmm. this universe mm -hmm. um, who who tries to bring context to the things that are happening around us, you know? And voting to me has nothing to do with that. That's, that's interesting. That's interesting. I, I get a lot. I mean, most people tell me bullshit when I say that to them, but it, I've been pretty consistent. With I mean, I get it because, like you said, you are you are journal or journalists should be observers. Journalists should be able to. There's like a purity, I think. I mean, it sounds so pretentious, mm -hmm. um, but to me, it's really a, a calling, and you have to bring to it, um, you know, a seriousness. Mm -hmm. I tell young reporters, you either are this thing or you're not this thing. Mm. And so if you say that you're a journalist, mm. it, to me, affects everything, how you see everything around you, from the news to your personal relationships mm. to, you know, having somebody say, oh, you know, to how you deal with preachers mm -hmm. and all of that. It's like, you know, you have to call bullshit in your mind mm -hmm. um, on everything. Mm -hmm. And then try and you know decipher what's what's real and what's not real, mm -hmm. and what's uh, a person's opinion, you know, and and to have your own opinions about things, you know, impedes in in, in your ability to do that. So journal journalists shouldn't have personal opinions. Yeah, no, no, no. You should have personal opinions, but it, your work should not. Reflect your okay. opinion okay. of the thing. Okay. Your you can your lived experience obviously um, colors your point of view right. of everything that you do. Right. And to me, you know, I never went to journalism school. Never took a journalism course ever. Mm. Um, so you don't have to have a master's in journalism to be a great journalist. Mm -hmm. You should really, if any journalists are listening or future journalists know a little bit about a lot of stuff mm. you know um but be open-minded about everything and don't just uh, approach things uh and listen to things and read things that you agree with because okay. that you're not doing yourself any good okay okay i want to switch gears a little bit um gonna talk baseball now <laughs> no I, I have no i know nothing <laughs> about baseball um being a lifelong resident of the city, what's one of the biggest things you've seen change? I mean, the the it's a different city. Uh -huh. um, I think that my biggest disappointment, and I love the fact that I could get uh, a good cappuccino now, where I couldn't uh, when I was a kid. Yeah, the amenities are cool. They're cool. Yeah, and being able to sit out. Outside, one of my favorite joints downtown is is uh, Uncle Momo's. Okay. Shout out to Momo's. Yeah. Um, but 
I'll go there. Like I ride from up here down to downtown. Uh-huh. Um, and so I like to be able to sit outside. I think that's a that's a great thing on a beautiful day. People watch. Uh-huh. Those are great things. Um, and my biggest disappointment is that the actual culture of the city is being lost. Yes. You know? Yes. Um, and that's one of the things I blame the current mayor. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, it's not his fault that those thing ha- things happened, but I don't think that this mayor appreciates the actual history uh-huh. and the culture uh-huh. of this community. Uh-huh. He feels like... Um, He's looking more outward right. and and trying to create a different vibe for the city, which coincides with, you know, the new development uh-huh. and um, people coming from out of state, uh-huh. Brooklyn, Queens, and all over. Um, and and they have this sense of oh, we saved this city yeah. from the yeah. oh. Yeah, yeah. Black and brown yeah, kids didn't yeah. know what they were doing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, graffiti everywhere and yeah. their hip hop music. <laughs> um, and, and so it isn't as bad in Jersey City as it is in Hoboken. Hoboken does not resemble any of Hoboken from back in the day. Hoboken used to be a majority Puerto Rican city I did not a know thousand that. years ago. Yeah. I did not know Think that. about that. Majority. Puerto Rican, and that's a not yeah. even majority Latino, majority Puerto Rican, and it's like that's a damn near complete white town now. Yeah, and and the um, you know there's a whole story of um, in the 80s uh, where there was a series of fires, um, arson fires that uh-huh. killed you know scores of people that were intended to get those damn Puerto Ricans out of there. Wow. Um, and so that's a whole nother part of the history of, of, of Hoboken as well. Uh, but in Jersey City, the, the, you know, the culture is not the culture of, you know, you don't have, you don't see Puerto Ricans who used to predominate downtown. Right. Um, and, you know, on, I remember on, on um, 6th Street next to the embankment that's, that's been there. I remember when they used to be trains on that uh-huh. and, and they had cows uh-huh. in the trains and you would they would stop and we would be playing wiffle ball on 6th street and and you would hear the cows mm. <laughs> and we we're like what the f-? <laughs> but um so you, you would find puerto ricans they they had these little uh had a little village set up there and they was always cooking out uh-huh. um and it was a place where the community would gather uh-huh. and, oh, there was, a, you know, uh, somebody lost their job, whatever, and people would chip in money and, you know. Uh-huh. Um, and that was all very grassroots before people were even, you know, talking uh-huh. about what grassroots is. Right. But those things don't exist anymore um, in the city. Now, there are a lot more cultural amenities. The jazz festival in this city mm-hmm. is one of the best jazz festivals I've ever been to. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, and there's more arts amenities, not so much organic. You know, it's not like it, it came from the city. Right. It's, you know, uh, someone can open an art space, but they can pay $2,500, $3,000, $3,500 for mm-hmm. that art space. Mm-hmm. Um because you know the pieces that they sell are you know sell a thousand dollar piece whatever right um but back in the day 
the city wasn't, you know, you try to have an outdoor cafe back in 1980, you would get your business closed down. Shit. You know, and, and so it was a different um, mindset. And so everything had to be guerrilla. Mm. You know, but now the city's like, oh, yeah, you know, variants for this. And, you know, and those are great things. I'm not saying that the, the arts offerings in the city are not good for the city. They it, are very good for it the kinda, city. But it kind of feels like they're throwing us a bar. It's a different it's a different vibe. It's it's not organic to the city. Yeah. It's like any really street festival that you go to anywhere else. The Puerto Ricans, the the uh LGBTQ community, um the the uh uh Caribbean community, Haitians, mm-hmm. um you know, so you have some uh some festivals like that, the Peruvians throw crazy. Uh, they they come down the street Shout and the there's Peruvians. like uh, dance teams throwing down. Mm. Um, and so those things are, are beautiful, but mm. they're not plentiful, okay. you know? And there's just a kind of like, I don't know. It's like it's, most of the festivals, like Strictly Downtown is fantastic and those people are great. Uh-huh. Um, but it's, you know, vendors selling you, uh, you know, pina coladas and steak sandwiches. I mean, all right, that's good. And they're overpriced. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> um, and, and those things are good. I'm not saying that they're right, bad, right, right, right. but they don't, uh, They it's a new culture and a new vibe that's uh-huh. coming to the city that is not the old vibe that, this old man yelling at a cloud right now uh, remembers. And so, again, it's not bad, but you need, I feel like we're losing the the history uh, of, of this city. But, you know, it happens. It happens. You know, uh, uh, Greenville used to be the breadbasket of what was called Bergen at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they used to grow... Uh, there used to be a park called Celeryville mm. where you'd have fields of celeries and, you know, um, but now, ironically, it's the most industrial part of the city and it has yeah. had to fight pollution. Food deserts and all that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, change is inevitable, but I think that when you have uh, a municipality that's led by a mayor, the mayor is responsible for making sure that the the history and the culture of the city is perpetuated right. and not just wiped away. And if I had a criticism of this mayor, it would be that that you know he, for instance, the the museum in Journal Square. We we've been talking about that for weeks. You know, fifty million dollars of, of public money at least is going to go into that thing, mm-hmm. and you know, there's not going to be jobs for no. for local people. Not it's for like us. you no, know, anyway. there there will be occasional jobs. But you look we could at probably like, do security instance, or something. It, yeah, maintenance, security, mm-hmm. and concessions. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, you look at Newark. They built a freaking stadium, uh, an arena there. Mm-hmm. Jobs coming for you, and you know you're like, oh great, if you're a, a person in Newark who's looking for work. But then you find that you're not going to get the director of marketing job. No, you're going to be serving hot dogs. Yes, you know, and so. That's the the big lie that those kind of big projects mm-hmm. tell, and then people are like, "Oh, you know, we got an arena downtown. Great, yeah, that means nothing." It, it you know, it, as far as you know, look, I I I was the one 
who when when they were talking about building a casino here, I was like, build it because at the very least, that's going to give jobs to people that are going to pay some mm -hmm. money. You know, if you're a, a dealer um, in in a, in a casino, you're making some money. Right. You know, and that's what they call unskilled labor, right? Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of folks who, you know, what used to be uh, factory jobs and warehouse jobs mm -hmm. where you could make a decent amount of money with a high school diploma, mm -hmm. right? But there's no places like that anymore. And the places where you go to work, uh, you know, twelve dollars an hour you cannot you live. You if can't, you have yeah. a baby yeah, somebody I, I i've ran into out front just had twins right so if you're working twelve dollars an hour i mean i don't know anything about him whether he was or wasn't but if, let's say you're working uh for a job twelve dollars an hour you have twins that's gone you're done yeah you, you know you, you have to you have to find some public assistance or get another job. Yeah. You know, then and, you can't and, raise your kids. Yeah. And who's going to watch the kids while you're working? Because daycare is very expensive. Yes. So, I mean, it's a, it's a vicious cycle. It's a vicious cycle. It is. Okay. So, let me let me ask. Um, I feel like you answered it already, but I'm going to ask anyway. I, I have talked a lot. It, it, no, it, this has been great. <laughs> this has been great. Um, what do you love about the city? Everything about this city is great. Um, there's tremendous history here. In fact, I'll give myself a little plug, if only to, to force myself to finish it, uh -huh. is I, I'm, I'm writing an, an, what I hope will be long enough to be a novel uh -huh. um, about really my neighborhood in Greenville, uh -huh. <clears throat> which um, was with the first black man in Greenville who owned a business uh -huh. Um, lived not too far from me. They, they had a, two brothers, um, actual brother brothers. Mm -hmm. uh, and they had a street <laughs> named after them um, because they built it. Right. Um, but so it, it kind of deals with that. But the they had a stop on the Underground Railroad, mm. uh, a safe house. Mm -hmm. um, and so the, there's so much of that is a, a rich part of our history right. in Jersey City. And just the fact that we helped the the nation grow, the Industrial Revolution, you know, factories and, and warehouses down on the waterfront, mm -hmm. um, all of that history. The people here are amazing. Mm -hmm. um, even the newest comers to our community, um, who, who those who appreciate where they're coming mm -hmm. you know and and those who appreciate what was here before mm -hmm. i i love that they're here because they bring energy to the place the fact that we are so really incredibly diverse my neighborhood it reminds me of the neighborhood where i lived when i grew up because i have uh, an italian family lives next to me here uh, an indian family here uh, filipino Puerto Rican, it's not like, oh, there's a little neighborhood of white people, here's another neighborhood of black people. It's really mm -hmm. um, a, a diverse community. And mm -hmm. that I, I love about um, this city. And just the attitude that um, people who really have the city ingrained in them, they're mm -hmm. like, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and and to me, that's that's beautiful. That's the, yeah. and And the fact that uh, you know, there's Jer I I had a year uh, back when Cory Booker was running for for president. Mm -hmm. We were lucky enough to to be assigned to chase him around Iowa and California and all that. Mm -hmm. 
And no matter where you go, you always find someone who's from Jersey and then ultimately someone who's from Jersey City. Uh, and and you can see it. I was in London. My daughter studied abroad uh, in, in London. And uh, so I went to see her uh -huh. and uh, we spent the week there. And the, the first place I went to, I was waiting for my daughter to get out of work. And I went to this little uh, uh, cafe and I'm sitting there and, and uh, the woman, you know, I, I ordered, she says, and I, I just looked at her like, what? <laughs> in London. Yes, in London, right? So on top of that, we start talking and she goes, oh, yeah, I'm from Hoboken. But we, we lived in Hoboken for a while. And then we moved to Jersey City downtown. And I, it was like my, my mind was blown <laughs> because here was this uh, brown skinned Puerto Rican woman speaking with like a British accent mm -hmm. and then talking to me in Spanish. It was like, you know, that's that's the makes me love this city so much because mm -hmm. it's it really is an international it is. city. It is. Um, and, and I love that it's, it's a little it's got a little more. I mean, the waterfront when I was a kid, Marine Boulevard hadn't was called Henderson Street. Um, Oof, yeah, that isn't fun. There was Good a. <laughs> There was literally a fence uh, on the on the east side of the street, and you couldn't get to what is now Newport. Uh. We had to cut wire cut through the fence, and people like my friends. We used to go there. We used to go to get high and get, you know, have sex, random <laughs> sex. But my friends used to go and swim in that damn river. Jesus. In the, yeah, you know, they would jump. We used to have double piers. Um, cars on the one level mm -hmm. and then people on the on the top level uh and so there was these double-sized piers and they had a second floor they would jump off the the top of the pier uh into the water jesus the the hudson river and the hudson river which is now clean enough to to support whale life uh -huh. um at that time horrible <laughs> down Colgate there used to there used to be Colgate factory uh -huh. um and you could see from the water's edge they used to just dump the shit right into the river uh -huh. and the the river would have like a five feet of foam smelly foam uh -huh. that was just a discharge from the making of the soap Colgate soap and all of that uh, -huh. uh and that was the that was our waterfront Wow, that's where we went to. But now you could ride your your bike from. It's jet skis and boats and all types yeah, of shit. Yeah, but you could ride your bike <laughs> along the waterfront, mm -hmm. uh, you know, away from traffic and everything, just on like a boardwalk from from here to you know North Bergen, and wow. and you know you you can do that now. But back then, you know, you had to literally cut through the the uh, through the fence to get access to the water which was nasty wow that's so but i mean i i love it i i you know i've lived here all my life so mm -hmm. it's, i've had opportunities to to leave and i lived in newark for a little while mm -hmm. um but i swear that uh i lived in newark and then i lived in hillside but then i got a job that brought me back to jersey city mm -hmm. and uh, the first day i came off the 80 bus and the first time moving to my apartment on Ocean Avenue, uh -huh. Ocean Lembeck, um, I cried when I got off the bus because I was like, damn. I missed home. I, I'm home. I'm home. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, 
that's a little dramatic, but no, that's it, it really that's, is true. It's no, true. Man, you you are definitely speaking my language right now. Like when I tell people how much I love the city, they don't get it. So I'm glad you was able to yeah. articulate it in that way because it is a it's a I can't even put it into words. But yeah, it's it's a real it's a real love it's home. for the city. It's home. Yeah. It's absolutely home. All right, last question because you've been very gracious with your time. Um, what's next for you? I have the. I have been very lucky in my life that I have loved every job in journalism that I've had. I, I used to be the newsman at uh, WBGO, uh-huh. Jazz 88, um, and I got to travel really to so many places um, and see so many great jazz performers. Uh-huh. Um, and, and then I... I uh, I worked at the Hudson Reporter, uh-huh. um, where I ran shit. I was the only, uh, the first and only Puerto Rican editor in chief in Hudson County, uh-huh. uh, and I loved that job because I was like, you know, I used to write a column, and and I was really connected very much to the community that uh-huh. I loved, uh-huh. you know. And then this job now, where you're able to have impact on television, uh-huh. um, and to have these two talk shows that I have. You know, it's really, to me, I, I it's a privilege to have it. Uh-huh. Um, but I have not felt like I've worked in 30 years. Huh. Um, so that, you know, if if you can really say that about your work and and private life, then you're, you're very lucky. So you love what you do. I, I do. And um, I feel like I'm in the best place that I've ever been now. Uh-huh. I'm at the top of my powers. Uh-huh. And um, the shows that we do have impact. Um, and I mean, for me, I don't know that I could go work anywhere else. Uh-huh. I mean, and I don't know that I could do any other kind of work. As uh-huh. I was saying before we got on that, uh-huh. I, I don't have any skills. <laughs> like I can't sell shit. Right, right. I can't fix anything. <laughs> so the best I can do is make politicians uncomfortable, um, and and tell stories about the community where I live sometimes, but. Um, but across the state. Uh-huh. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good right now. Um, I don't I don't want to be a network anything. I don't want to be in commercial news uh-huh. because that to me is, you know, it's it's a dead medium. Right. Um, not to say that everybody is terrible in commercial news. But, but a lot of them are. But a lot of television news and, um, you know, it's terrible. If anything, if I could have a radio show that paid... I would do that because I loved being on the radio. Right. Um, but radio doesn't pay. Right? They don't pay <laughs> shit. Trust TV me. doesn't pay that great either, yeah. but it's it's a decent enough uh, salary that, you know, I, I don't complain about it. Right. You know? Okay. All right, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to, to, to seeing what else you do. You've, you've been a wealth of knowledge. I've, I've felt like I've learned so much in this conversation. Um, no, shout out your social media handles. Oh, matter of fact, Frankie, you got anything, Frankie, before we get out of here? I thought you were going to have a music segment. You don't, have, you don't do your music segment? Oh, okay. Boom. What do you listen to? Uh, I, I'm mostly a jazz head. Um, I, I love jazz. I can't listen to a lot of current uh, pop music. I mm-hmm. can't. Uh, a lot of hip hop is very disappointing to mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Um, but jazz never, n- never fails me. <laughs> You know, it never does because the essence of jazz is um, spontaneous 
creativity. Mm. You know, you got you got four or five different people in the band, and each of them is playing their own shit. Mm-hmm. But they all uh, work together, mm-hmm. you know, to create a sound. And when you have, you know, a, a, a good uh, band and they're cooking, mm-hmm. it's like you know, magic. amazing. It's magic. It, it really is. And to not to put too much of a, a of a I don't know a, as existential spin on it. <laughs> um, it. It really is the what gives me faith mm-hmm. in democracy mm. and in the ability of people to to work together. Mm. You know because we can all do our own thing and solo and and, and um, express ourselves, mm-hmm. but ultimately in a jazz group. You all have to swing, right? You know, and you you can only do that together, right? You know, and in that swing, the drummer gets some, and and the piano gets some, and the bass mm-hmm. gets some, and the sax and the trumpet gets some, uh, and the singer gets some, mm. and that to me that's democracy uh, for real in a real practical sense, and so that's most of the music that I listen to, and I love. Um, Latin music, uh-huh. um, salsa, of course, uh-huh. from Joe Batan, who, uh, shout out to Joe Batan, who's 80, and he killed it a few uh, months ago at uh, White Eagle Hall. Oh, wow. Um, uh, that was, you know, a, a tremendous show. Um, so I love all that Latin music, the Fania All-Stars uh-huh. um, from that era. Uh, I don't like a lot of the current Latin music, bachata, <laughs> not so much, reggaeton, not so much. Um but so you know, I guess because I'm older too, and I, I like the older music, mm-hmm. and I like bands that are bands that mm-hmm. you know where there's instrumentation, and, and you know there's people playing instruments, mm-hmm. um, and not you know so much of the produced right, right. music that we hear today. And and I know that people listening gonna be like, ah, oh, he's an old man, and, you know. And I mean. You know, it's a different it's a different game music today. It's not right. intended to do the same things to you that music from the yeah, this bygone does, era. It doesn't invoke as much emotion anymore. Yeah, I mean, there's some people who are, who are doing it. Yeah, but it's not a lot. Um, but th- there's not, and then you know they they end up being uh, put into a niche. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, she's a soul singer, you right, know. Right, so they right. put her over there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I would I my sincere hope is that young people start to rebel against that shit i can't say that it's likely to happen but mm-hmm. it's possible yeah i mean i i still like my nephew um a few months ago blew my mind because he's a jazz hit i had no idea wow and so i have a lot of cds and so i gave him like a 10 pack mm-hmm. uh, of cds and he was like Unk, oh my god you know john coltrane my favorite thing right. and some dizzy gillespie nice. and you know, um, so I—that's the music that that speaks to me the most. That was a long answer. No, I I, I, <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. Oh yes, yeah, sure. All right, man. All right, man. All right. So jazz, 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 and old Latin music, older yeah, and Latin and rock music. and roll too. I, rock, I you rock know, and roll. Um, <laughs> I, I'll tell people I, I love ELO, mm-hmm. um, which would be like what. 
uh, <laughs> Joe Jackson, English mm -hmm. Beat. I was uh, I used to uh, listen to a lot of ska uh, wow. back in the day. So uh, I think I have a pretty eclectic taste, and I'm open to all music. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just sometimes a lot of music is just there's no effort to it yeah. you know it's a it's a much more of a producer's game mm -hmm. um and a lot of it is the post-production and you know messing with the voices and all that and you know nobody plays instruments right, right. so wow man wow man need more jazz we need more soul back into the music man. yes og david cruz ladies and gentlemen thank you man this this was this was great, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank My you, pleasure. Man. man, shout out to social media. Tell the people where to find you. Yeah, you can right. find me on Twitter at David Cruz NJ. Um, that's a uh, that's pretty uh, public. Mm -hmm. I'm also on uh, Instagram as Chilltowner, uh, but that's a private uh, account. I don't. I use mostly. I I use Twitter. Okay. To get my work out. Chilltowner is really like my my Facebook. I'm not on Facebook anymore. Uh -huh. But when Facebook was about you know your small family members and uh -huh. shit, that's how I use Instagram now. So I don't have a lot of followers uh -huh. on Instagram because it's mostly pictures of my grandchildren and you know stuff like hey, that. You don't need people to see all that. Yeah, I mean it's nobody's yeah. business. It's nobody's except business. the people who I you know want to let see. With the Facebook, I mean with the with the Twitter, it's just you know that's that's my public face. Uh -huh. Okay. All right. So make sure y'all follow David Cruz on Twitter. Mind your business on Instagram. Um, <laughs> your shows are the chat box. It's chat box, which uh, we stream it on um, Thursdays at mm -hmm. 630. Okay. And um, uh, Reporters Roundtable, which we stream at 10 a.m. on on Fridays. Mm -hmm. But both of them end up on uh, my NJ PBS. Okay. Um I think it's channel 23 in in um, in Jersey City, and they air on the weekends, Saturdays and Sundays. Okay, well, make sure y'all check out everything David, excuse me, OG David Cruz has his name attached to. Again, thank you. This was great. Um, man. Frank, you got anything else before we get out of here? He fell asleep, man. <laughs> it's like, uh, if this guy tells another story. Nah, nah, man. Nah, we loved, we loved nah, it. We I loved appreciate it. you guys. I'm really, I'm really waiting for y'all to wrap up so I could get on the keys real quick. Because you've been talking this music, jazz shit for so long. Uh, <laughs> I keys. Not yet. Oh, yeah, no. yeah. No, Frankie, Frankie wants to show off. He got to show off. So we're going to get into that. All but right. uh, in the meantime, in between time, follow the show on everything. Instagram for the stress underscore podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash 4KJ. You can follow Frankie on IG at Frankie Metals. Follow the dojo on IG at the dojo JC. Make sure you visit the website for the stress podcast.com powered by Stay Cozy Studios. Um, in the meantime, in between time, history for the stress. You should all know where you come from, so we all know where we're going. OG David Cruz, thank you again. Thank you. This this was great. This was such an honor, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, Y'all be safe out here. Know your history. Jersey City is the greatest city on the planet. Frankie, turn this shit off. You can do better than that. Maybe you need to hit the dojo. Get some more practice.